It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're joined by Joe Goodberry, former Locked On Bengals host, former The Athletic writer, former this, former that, your expert on all things Bengals draft. And we're going to dive in to a few topics today. Why I don't think they'll draft an offensive lineman at 31 and the philosophy behind what we think the Bengals will do this year, in addition to some defensive line talk. A lot of speculation that the Bengals will go in that direction at least once in this draft. And we'll talk about some of those guys, especially on the interior. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts. And today brought to you by, by Blue Nile, which gives you an opportunity to give your mom something special this Mother's Day, something she'll treasure forever with their fine jewelry connect collection. You can see it at BlueNile.com. You'll get $50 off a $500 purchase when you use code locked on at checkout. Joe, I don't think this is a hot take at all at this point, but a lot of Bengals fans, I think, I did a poll on this actually. I think about 40% would be upset if the Bengals passed on Tyler Linderbaum and picked 31 if he was available. But I think they could pass not only on Tyler Linderbaum, but on offensive line altogether at that spot, even if there's a good player available to them. I think it would take pretty staggering value at the position for them to pull the trigger on the offensive line at 31 this year in a what would they do conversation. What say you? I agree. I think the moves they made indicate that they probably, the way they've normally built their teams and tried to uh, stack their draft in terms of how do they want to attack certain positions, right? They usually leave a need open or two, and they'll attack that within the first couple rounds. Uh, When you sign three offensive linemen and you draft three the previous year, how many more resources do you want to dump into it? Now, the line isn't a top 10 unit right now. I wouldn't, I don't think anyone would say that. They may not have a pro bowler on that, Five, uh, five man front and maybe Leal Collins can get there, but you know, he gets a deal the way he does because there are some injury concerns and durability concerns there. So my point there is when you draft a Jackson Carmen in round two, I try to put myself in, in those shoes. Me, I wouldn't be extremely high on Carmen. Carmen came out as like a day three guy for me last year. But if he was like my Marvin Jones, I'd be like, no, I'm not drafting a wide receiver. I, this fifth round pick is going to start for us. You know, if, if he was Clint Bowling, I was real high on Clint Bowling. I'm like, no, this guy is going to going to start. I don't care what he looked like as a rookie. I am confident in my evaluation. I think that's how Duke Tobin and the team look at Jackson Carmen. So they're probably looking at it like we've got our five starters. Carmen just needs to do what we expect him to do. And if he does it, we're fine. So, yeah, I, I think they're looking at O-line as we don't want to have to draft it. Don't make us draft it by having like a top 12 guy still on the board. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think in a perfect world, they would get a corner and they would get one of these corners that they have ranked high on their board. That being said, 
now that we're all three of us are in agreement, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much because I think that the biggest need is left guard. I think left guard is much more of a question than even cornerback because they do have Eli Apple who played. I, I get Bengals fans hate it. I I said a lot of, I think, honest stuff about Eli, but 15 games played. Yeah, he can tweet, and maybe he, they should have made him delete his Twitter as part of his new contract. But he was okay last year. And Jackson Carmen, he flashed a little bit, but work ethic concerns, all of these things that have bubbled up and been discussed on this podcast and behind the scenes. And it doesn't take uh, a football genius or an insider uh, to do a little digging and realize that there are some red flags with Jackson Carmen and that he was probably, not probably, he was overdrafted last year. So, that's the scary part. Um, that being said, Joe, let's look at it from this angle. Do you think cornerbacks deeper than offensive line? Because if it's not, then I understand that logic a little bit more if they think they can get competition, you know, in the mid rounds. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if it's deeper. I don't know if corner is. Because um, if you're looking for an interior offensive line, I think your pool is much wider. If you're looking for a tackle, that usually drops off after round two, and these guys are tweeners or, or they got short arms or they're not really athletes and they got to kick inside the guard anyway. So there's usually a lot of guards you can pick from. Jackson Carmen would be an example last year. He was a tackle at Clemson and uh, moving him into guard. Uh, one thing, though, that isn't brought up about Carmen a lot, though, I think is the durability concerns. And, yeah, yeah people are like, yeah, well, remember, he's coming off of back surgery. He was out of shape, you know, it, and then he was hurt again in the playoffs. Like that is a trend. That is something that uh, his his immaturity has followed him through Clemson. It also, when you look at like grading, if you want to use PFF and things like that, he was not a good pass protector at Clemson ever. Uh, so like, do we expect him to all of a sudden be that guy, turn into someone different? I know he's young. I know he's playing a new position, but he pretty much played exactly like he always looked at Clemson. So should you expect a big jump? I don't think so. For, so I'm with you on the need. Probably biggest number one need. You can get a thousand snaps out of a new left guard. That would do a lot for this team. Uh, but corner, it depends on what they're looking at and what they want. Do you want a guy that can be a future number one? Because you better probably take him at 31. Do you want a guy that's probably got number two type upside that can be an okay starter for you, have a couple good seasons? Um, probably not really Pro Bowl type potential guys. I think there's a lot of those in rounds of two, three, and potentially four. Uh, and then I, I do think there are some slot options if they want to replace Mike Hilton in two years, which that's down the line. You don't have to address that. Now, we talked about this before. Maybe if the guy can double as a returner, uh, that helps the value there. But, no, I think priority-wise, if you want a real starting corner and a guy that maybe can step in this year, I think that's that pick 31. Roger McCreary might be the best available corner at pick 31. And we've talked about a lot of the corners in this class at some level of depth, we've talked about Kyer Elam and, and Andrew Booth, the two guys that I think are the consensus one, two kind of graded guys. And then there's Kyler Gordon in the mix. I think we talked with you about Kyler Gordon in a fair amount of detail. Certainly talked with Mike Bengals underscore Sands about Kyler Gordon and the long speed issue there. But Roger McCreary is a guy that was extremely productive in college, despite having the T-Rexiest of T-Rex arms. At, at 28, under 29 inch arms, the guy was incredible in terms of what he was able to do on the football field. And a lot of that coming in zone coverage, according to PFF's splits. But the most prolific pass breaker upper 
of the corners that we have in our spreadsheet, Joe, it would be unprecedented for the Bengals to draft a player that looks like Roger McCreary in the first round. But if they get desperate for a corner, do you think that they would pull the trigger there? Do you think at that point is where they would start to look at the Logan Halls and Travis Joneses of the world? You know, it's funny because corner is at this point, I think everyone can identify that they probably want to address it in the top two or three rounds. If the board falls correctly, Um, will they force it? It kind of leads you into that question, right? Is this the, Frank Ragnow, Billy Price situation where you want to take a guy and then he's not there. All right, we'll force the pick and take Billy Price. So we got our starting center. And the reason that I have that concern personally is because it is so telegraphed and there's such a drop off. And the guys that are like the second round guys that you're hoping for in the second round won't make it to your second round pick. So if they want a guy, it's either first round or trade back. Mm. And like when I look at the list, uh, there was on Bet Online they uh, they have over under four and a half corners in the first round. So you know what the Bengals picking rate at thirty one. That's kind of like four guys are probably going to be gone. Will the Bengals take that fifth corner or not? If the top four guys are Stingley, um, Sauce Gardner, is it next Trent McDuffie? So that's three. I think that's the consensus. Three is four. Is that Elam? Is that Booth? Is that McCreary? Is that Kyler Gordon? Who's the fourth guy off the board? And then are the Bengals comfortable? with the next guy. And that's when it comes into, okay, well, you've got a guy like McCreary who did test, but tested like a very average type of athlete. He's kind of reminds me of, of how Zayvon Howard tested. Zayvon Howard came was a 38th pick in round two to the Dolphins. Uh, 48th percentile athlete, I believe it was, but tremendous ball skills. Got his hands on the ball consistently. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of how McCreary plays. Zayvon Howard's got more length, but sometimes it doesn't matter. I think it was the, the Texans GM recently was on a podcast saying they did studies at, at length and they need a corner as well. And they did studies at length and they were like, they came away like it does not matter at corner. And we know there's not many guys that start under 29 inches, but like that's because there's not a lot of guys with arms under 29 inches. It's more like the Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. Yeah, the, we don't see quarterbacks that start at that size because they're not playing quarterback at that size. There's not enough data to prove it wrong. And when you look at the Bengals, guys like John Ross, Jamar Chase, uh, Drake Kirkpatrick. I even want to say William Jackson for his height had below average length. And all these guys had really short arms and they still drafted all those guys. So are they going to look at, and we don't talk about Trent McDuffie has even shorter in terms of when you look at wingspan, hand size, and arm length, even smaller percentiles than Roger McCreary. So do you, can they look past that one thing and say, okay, this is the guy that has the most production out of all these corners, which indicates you know, future success, at least up to some level, gets his hands on the most balls. And he played in the SEC where he, where you look at like Kyler Elam struggling against some of these teams, specifically Alabama. And I thought he was okay. But then you watch Roger McCreary against them and you go, whoo, man, this guy's doing exactly what you would expect him to do against these top corners or top receivers. So yeah, I, I could see a scenario where I think fans would scratch their head a little bit if they take a Kyler Gordon or a Roger McCreary before they take Elam or Booth. Oh, yeah, that would, uh, That would be a shocker, and that's why we have Joe Goodberry on. We're going to continue our conversation with what the Bengals could do in the first round and beyond up next. But first, a word from BlueNile.com. If you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift, whether she prefers a statement piece or an everyday Subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. And yeah, Mother's Day is right around the corner. 
And so you can give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On listeners get $50 off, 500 bucks. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. So use promo code Locked On at BlueNile.com to get 50 bucks off. Every order is insured, ships free. I love free shipping and arrives in a discreet package that isn't going to give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Joe Goodberry is going to go there. I am. Jake is. You should too. Again, BlueNile.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I hope your wife is listening, Joe. Just <laughs> she, She's not. <laughs> she's, holding you, he, she's holding you to it, Joe. Go check it out, BlueNile.com. So, James, where are we going next? in this philosophical conversation or are we talking defensive linemen? What do you think? Well, real quick, as far as the cornerbacks go, uh, if they reach, right, if they do the, the Frank Ragnow, Billy price analogy, and maybe they do have McCreary higher and graded higher. And that's fine. If that's the route they go, because he's graded higher, there's no way they had Billy price and Frank Ragnow neck and neck. And the reason that they took price 21st overall in 2018 is because they didn't have a starter. I don't think things should be that desperate at corner. Yeah. And I hope they're smart enough to, to not go that route. And that's the bridge now because it isn't just corner. They have other holes that are, or, or weaknesses, whether it is offensive line or in this case, defensive line edge three tech. I mean, there's multiple holes where you could say, Oh, well that's a need that they could address. And that's the fun part to me, Joe, because when I look at depth, and, and that's the part of it. Last year with Chase and Sewell, it was, oh, well, they can get an offensive lineman in round two. Chase is that special. This year, I think that the shallowest is interior defensive line. And so if you get one of those at 31, you can find an, a, a straight-up pass rusher in the mid-rounds if you need to. You can find that interior offensive lineman. You can find a cornerback on day two that, that can contribute as a rookie do you view it that way as far as looking at this interior line class? Because I think that could play a factor as well in almost preventing them from reaching on a cornerback because they have a need at a, a in an area that there isn't a lot of guys that could fill that that hole. Yeah, and I think the interior offensive line class is very strong. So I, I think you could end up with a lot of starters that come out of the third, fourth, fifth round. So, yeah, I'm with you on there where is direct comparison. The interior defensive tackle class, um, I – just marginally like the options that are probably going to be available at 63 unless somebody falls. Uh, the, the guys they've brought in, guys like Logan Hall, I think will be gone before then. Uh, and then they've also had time with um, DeMarvin Leal. And uh, who's the guy they had in today, guys? Help me out here. Perrion Winfrey. Perrion Winfrey. Yeah, That's right. And we've talked on. about each one of those guys a little bit 
Uh, they're both similar, I think, in terms of what do the Bengals need at that position. I think that is a starting position that they need, and it's why they're going to draft one. Uh, because we're talking about a guy that can replace B.J. Hill's snaps as Hill moves into a, a larger role of Ogunjobi 700. You need 500 to go to somebody. And there's really nobody on the roster behind B.J. Hill as it is at three-tech. Remember, Tyler Shelvin's not that guy. Josh DePau is not that guy. They're nose tackles, if anything, five-tech at best. Uh, and and you look at it like, okay, so what do they need? I think they could use a guy that's like a five-tech, like a Logan Hall. Maybe even Travis Jones would play that spot. Or they need someone else that can come in and be an interior defensive tackle and rush the passer that can provide some juice. Maybe they want to directly one-for-one replace Ogunjobi. I think that's Perrion Winfrey. I think that's a guy that is explosive up the field, just going to put his head down and, and threaten with that first step and, and explode through a gap, but really loses vision, is hit or miss, big splash, big miss type guy, home runner strikeout. Uh, doesn't really defend the run very well yet or ever. Who knows if he will? You know, Oklahoma, it's hard to project sometimes. Uh, where I think DeMarvin Leal is a guy that, from AM who has extremely high production scores, played, and you'll see him play wide nine and then all the way to one or zero on the next snap. I mean, he is up and down that line, played over the tackle more snaps than any other position. And he actually, like, when you look at rankings, he's, he's listed as a defensive end if you go by PFS number grades and things like that. And that would be like your five-tech type, and he would be there in round two. Uh, yeah, I think that makes sense. Does it excite me? No, but I would get it because if you're going to go into round three, I don't think there's – I mean, like my next guy is Curtis Brooks from Cincinnati, and that's – he's not expected to get drafted. So I think you're looking at that – you're going to throw darts at a Matthew Butler out of Tennessee, Fedarian Mathis from – I just do not feel good. Like you can hear it in my voice, see in my face. Like you're burning – you're lighting a pick on fire if you're drafting those guys in round three. What about these 24-year-olds? So Devontae Wyatt. We haven't talked about Devontae Wyatt almost at all on this podcast since at least I, I was excited for him until I learned that he was 24 years old. And then I was like, oh, he's 24 years old and he's playing next to Jordan Davis and whoever the kid is is going to be coming yeah. out of Georgia next year on the interior of the Georgia defensive line. And teams are just like, oh, whatever. We'll, we'll deal with Devontae Wyatt one-on-one -on -one because we have to deal with Jordan Davis. And I don't know the other kid's name, but he's, he'll be he'll be – what a, an easy top 15 pick next year if all goes according to plan and Trayvon Walker could be a top 10 pick and, and Trayvon Walker it could be a, the first overall oh, he pick he's gonna be top 10 for sure I could could be a Trent bulky special at number one but Devontae White could be there at 31 Joe do you think the Bengals would draft would draft a 24 year old defensive tackle with let's see poor production Specifically, poor production. We talked about this earlier in DMs and how they don't seem to care necessarily <laughs> about that particular measure that we like to track. So, the last four defensive tackles, and it's actually been like, I think the last seven, they've all been like fourth, fifth round picks that they've drafted, right? So, it's it's kind of hard because you're going to draft some guys with warts at that spot. That's yeah. just the nature of where you are in the draft. But the guys they have drafted, Ryan Glasgow, Andrew Brown, who was a five tech type, we talked about like De De uh, DeMarvin Leal, Renell Wren, and Tyler Shelvin. Uh, Glasgow was 23 and a half on the draft. Andrew Brown, 23.3. Renell Wren, 23.4. I mean, that's on the older side of our scale. That means those guys are going to at some point turn 24 years old at the end of their rookie uh, seasons. And Wyatt just turned 24, and he'll be 24 for that entirety of the year. And what does that mean? Um, it probably means he is who he is, so you better be very concrete in your evaluation and what it looks like. And he's good when they let him do what he's got to do. And what I mean by that is Georgia is extremely hard to watch on defense right now. 
It's like when spread offenses started coming out on, on the offensive side of the ball. And you're like, I can't even watch these guys. They're not running anything you're going to do in the NFL. How do I evaluate? How do I apply this? How does this translate? Right now what George is doing, and they win it all, right? They're good. They, that's a tremendous defense. They're good. They're great. But that is terrible for evaluation. They do not let their defensive tackles rush the passer on third downs. They just say, okay, you don't let the quarterback escape up the middle of the pocket. Don't let them do it. Stand your ground and just stay there and don't do anything. And we're going to blitz from the other side if we're going to blitz. And, like, just that'll be their pressure, and we're going to make them roll this way. So be ready to scrape down the line and, like, run with them and, and make sure he throws the ball and not run. Don't let the quarterback run. Like, they really don't care at all. So when you watch him, you're like, I don't know what to do with this. How many times did he actually get to rush the passer this year? He played 400-something snaps, 80 times. I mean, you watch three games, and you're like, I'm ready to fall asleep watching this guy. I can see he's explosive. I can see he's good. But when you don't get enough film to watch, it's a complete projection. And he was sort of productive in that for using like PFF metrics. But if you look at like old school stuff we use from Jim metrics, if you subscribe to that Patreon, I do stats and data that goes all the way back to 1969. He comes in below the 40th percentile. I think it's like 37th percentile, which means he's under the threshold of pro bowlers. He's on, he's barely at the threshold of a starting defensive tackle. He's way under the averages. The averages is like an 80 percentile for defensive tackles. He is way, he's going to be an outlier because of the way Georgia used him. So now you got an age outlier. Now you have a production outlier. You better be very confident in what you see in those limited amount of snaps where he does do NFL stuff. If you want to be an outlier and we'll continue our conversation with Joe Goodberry, you got to get to builtbar.com or built.com because built bars are the number one protein bar on the planet. High in protein, low in sugar, low in calories. And whether you're just trying to crush it at the gym, like Jake Lisko, or just have a midday healthy snack, you can use built bar, rely on built bar much like I do much like Jake Lisko does. I got a blueberry muffin one right here. And if you don't like blueberry muffins, that's okay because they have a bunch of different flavors that you're going to love. So check them out right now at built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order. So think about this. The number one protein bar on the planet, you're saving money, you're eating healthier, and you're not sacrificing taste. Don't delay. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 to get the number one protein bar in the world. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. James, just like last segment, I'm going to throw it right back to you and uh, let you talk for a second because we haven't gotten to hear your voice enough in this episode. You're still recovering from that that pump man you're gonna have to get a, a another built bar in you and, and help you recover a little bit i'm on, um, I'm on the built bar puffs this week I, I got my last couple puffs left and and then it's gonna be time to restock those puffs are awesome um let, let me do, give you an either or joe and to me this is obvious especially after hearing what you just said there but if um he's available he, he's just escaped my name the, the kid from uh georgia 24. Why? Devontae White. Devontae White. If he's available and Logan Hall is available, 
Who do you think the Bengals will pick, and who would you pick? Man, the Bengals at thirty-one, and I'm talking yeah. about at thirty-one, just to be yeah. The Bengals typically like the bigger school guys, uh, especially early. I mean, they did take William Jackson out of Houston. It's not that long ago when they they took a prospect like that. Um, so I, I think that would be pretty comparable. Uh, but it's been lately, you know, big schools, big game type guys, uh, team captain types. You know, I, I think they could lean towards a Wyatt looking at the way they've drafted recently at defensive tackle. And, you know, they don't care too much about the metrics, it seems there. Maybe that's why they haven't been able to replace Geno Atkins, right? Maybe that's why they've missed so many times from Devon Still to Brandon Thompson to okay. um, Marcus Hardison. I mean, they they don't know what they're drafting there. You draft Hardison instead of Grady Jarrett when all the numbers say, take Grady Jarrett, and he's productive, and he's athletic, and they just And don't. they had Geno Atkins. It was the next Geno. Right. It's like we don't like these guys with short arms and small your your hall of famer right there he's that guy like that's what you should well, be that's who we thought milton williams was last year he was super productive and that leads me to, to curtis brooks eventually i think we'll get a few minutes here to talk about him but i think yeah there's a chance they bypass that stuff and just go with wyatt and i could understand it right i want to completely kill them for that pick uh but there is a part of me that would say yeah they might they may take a Logan Hall there because I think he fits more of the five tech role where I think Wyatt would be straight up three tech. Um, and maybe they'd see more of a role for uh, Logan Hall. Before Real we quick, talk, go ahead, James. I, I put the I hot you got take your take chain, chain on. on. Yeah. Put the hot take chain on. And, and I think this is really going to shock really everybody, I think, because anytime I mention Logan Hall, I know Sands did a, a breakdown of Logan Hall and it was like, ah, too rich at 31, but if he's there, uh, I wouldn't mind him at 31. And I think with his versatility and everything that he brings, I would take him over Wyatt. And I kind of think they would too. If if I, if if I, and I usually don't disagree with you, Joe, but if I, if I had to guess today, I think because of the versatility, because of the need and you're right, they've gone with a lot of big school guys. You know what? You can't do at 31. Sometimes go with the big school guy. I don't know. I, I like Logan Hall more than, more than Wyatt, especially because the versatility, man, the versatility is, uh, it, it excites me. I'm excited to, to see if Logan Hall could, could play multiple spots. Go ahead. When we put the, these guys, these prospects and you guys will get this spreadsheet, be able to see it the week of the draft. Um, but when you see, we, we do have grades from like Mike Sands and myself, we've got like stabilized rankings from like ESPN, the draft network, PFF. And then we put in the production. Then we put in the age adjusted production, the strength of schedule production, uh, the, athletic testing and where that lands historically. And then it spits out a number at the end to tell you how confident you can probably be that that guy will turn into what he's supposed to be. And what that puts is number one defensive tackle in the class, Logan Hall at an 82.6, where Devontae Wyatt is the number five defensive tackle in this class at a 77.9, which means that's a strong second round type. And that's probably why a guy of that, I mean, if you just looked at him and looked at his testing and know he played for Georgia, you'd say, that guy should be a top 15, 20 pick. And that's probably why he's projected there, like December, January, and why now the over-under on him, I want to say, is 27 and a half. It's because I think there's a chance that's the under. You should probably bet the under on that. Yeah, and, and the age is going to – some teams just won't draft him because he's 24. Some teams are – or maybe they won't draft him in the first round. And right. He's not on their board then, and that's also probably the case for a number of players in this class because this class, generally speaking, is older. There's a lot of guys that took that extra year – and it'll be really interesting to see how that impacts things. Joe, you also, on April 18th, tweeted a list of players that you would give A grades to, B grades to, C grades to. What do you think the odds are that the Bengals have 
one, I mean, I, I think that you're not giving the Bengals an A for mm. the 31st pick based on this list. Linderbaum, Zion Johnson, Trent McDuffie. Mm. The next the next bucket includes Dax Hill, Kyer Elam, Logan Hall, Kenyon Green, uh, I forget Evicady's first name right now, and Lewis Sign. What do you think the odds are that one of those guys is even available? I mean, Sine, one of them in the B bucket will be available. What I guess are the odds that they are available and the Bengals pick one of those guys, or I guess what I'm asking is what grade do you anticipate based on this tweet giving the Bengals for their 31st pick today? I thought about that actually before I did it. I anticipate a B and then I looked at the C guys and I'm thinking like, there's a good chance of one of those guys that are also a pick. So I, I think it's most likely in that range. Yeah. And you know, we get excited on draft day. Maybe the scenarios change my mind at the time. We're like, well, there, you know, a run on corners happened and they got booth. Like, I still would probably fall on a C because of the incomplete profile we have on him. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think expecting a B is fair. If they shock us and get one of those guys, that would be an A let's go. I mean, that's fun. That's happened before that William Jackson pick was an A for me. So say all three of the guys that you would give them an A for are, are just gone. Right. Is there anybody else that makes it an A at that point because they didn't reach and instead they found a value player somewhere else or, or, or does that just, does picking 31 make it harder for them to get an A period? You know what it is? The guy not listed at this at all because I was using consensus rankings and I was right. going from 21 to to 41. So 10 plus and minus guy ranked 42 consensus was Kyler Gordon. And to be honest with you, if the top corners are gone, I like Kyler Gordon next. And I think his profile is the most complete other than long speed. I think he's going to be a very good number two corner. I think he's going to be a guy in three years that he plays boundary and base and nickel in your sl- in a slot in your nickel packages. And I think he's going to be tremendous inside where the deep speed is not a factor. Uh, I think he's going to be really good. And like if they, if so, all the top corners are gone, Linderbaum's gone, Zion Johnson's gone, the you know, guys I would give an A to, and then they take Kyler Gordon, I could probably be convinced. All right, Joe, if I could take this chain and send it to you, the hot take chain, I, I would before that I was hot this question. And no, no, no. It, I it think wasn't. it was. I think saying it, that Kyler it, Gordon would be an it, A grade oh, oh, hold on, is hold a hot on. take for current Bengals Twitter prevailing opinions. Yeah, oh. I agreed. But here's where it gets really hot is when we, and I know the answer because you've answered it without answering it directly over, over the past four minutes. Let's play either or again. Kyler okay. Gordon or Andrew Booth Jr. You're on the clock at 31. It's not. It, I run the card for Gordon. It's not even close. It's not what? It's not, it's not close. close. Keep it's go close. ahead. It's not close because of the profile for number one. Like I don't want to draft a guy with an incomplete profile in the first round if I can avoid it. Uh, we've talked at length about guys that don't test, about guys with injury history, um, guys that I don't think have great ball skills. He doesn't have, look at his forced incompletion rate. I think it's the lowest in this class. Uh, like. For me, it checks all the boxes of, no, I wouldn't do it. He comes around as a, more of a second-round guy, and I like his tape. Like, besides his – I don't think he's looking, ever going to run, like, a four, uh, low four fours, and he doesn't have great ball skills. It's good enough, in my opinion. Uh, but, like, I like him on tape because he's a physical player, good tackler, smart, heady guy, quick feet, very balanced. The incomplete profile scares the shit out of me. I thought you were going to play more either-ors. If we're not going to – do you have another one? <laughs> It, sure. I mean, well, because if you don't, I'm going to rapid fire. Her. Well, <laughs> we haven't Gordon talked or... Curtis Brooks. I'd love but to go ahead. 
Elam or or Gordon in 30 seconds, and then we'll talk about my guy from UC. Much tougher, much, much tougher. Elam's got a very good profile as well. His production score is really high. His testing's really high. Uh, I think he's got the press man ability with some ball skills. Uh, the only thing that really comes off is the last year wasn't great for him in terms of PFF scoring, and that tough stuff tends to carry over. But if you look at the last two years, it's strong for him. He's probably the more accepted pick for 31. I could be convinced if, like, the coaches, if I'm in the room, I'm the GM, and I say, guys, pick from this bucket, and they say, Kyler Elam, I'm not going to fight them on that. A point that I wasn't aware of on Elam that I guess we should just spread the word. He he was injured early in the season and played through it, and mm-hmm. there's a clear drop-off after that injury. It c- happened against Alabama is what I learned today. Shout-out Mike Sands. He'll be on the show tomorrow to talk about him or to, to, to talk about not Kyer Elam, but he'll be on the show tomorrow. Um, and that's where I learned that he was injured early in the season, and that had a major impact on his play the rest of the way. Joe, we don't have five minutes to talk about Curtis Brooks, but I, I know you did a big tweet thread about him throughout the week. He was a guy that I identified relatively early when I was looking at, okay, who are the defensive tackles in this draft class? And he was the highest-graded defensive tackle for PFF last year, period. And... And yet, as you've mentioned, seems to be a consensus college free agent. Comes out well, though, when you looked on tape, when you look at productivity, the only thing, and athletic testing, the only thing lacking, well, is he's 24 years old. Give us a quick rundown on, on Curtis Brooks, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, he's the, he's the day three, Devontae Wyatt, in my opinion. Uh, if you're going to spend a first round pick on Wyatt, then you spend it a fifth rounder on Brooks, and he should be there. When you look at history of guys that don't get invited to the combine, um, they don't get drafted in the top four rounds. They may go in the fifth round sometimes, sixth. It usually means they're going undrafted. Mike Thomas, my guy, who I loved, who's on the Bengals roster, I should have known then that when you're not invited, you're not on the radar. Uh, and, and so he's not on the radar for some reason. 26 consensus big boards. Not one has him as a draftable player. Now I'm talking about he's got the number one overall grade from BFF. First, I didn't know who he was. I don't watch college football during the season. I watched one Cincinnati game all year, so I didn't notice. I, you know, I saw he splashed a, a little bit. I remember his name, but that was it. When people started sending me his, uh, what is it, 96th percentile RAS, 95th percentile RAS, I'm like, okay, uh, he's 24, but if we're talking about a guy who's off the radar. That's fine for a day three pick if you're 24. And then I go and I, I start compiling PFF data. I'm like, whoa, not only was he number one graded, he has the number one pass rush grade. He's got the number one true pass rush grade. He's got the number one pass rush win rate. He's got yeah. the number one run stop rate. I mean, like, this isn't just an undersized guy. He does when I, so I'm like, okay, let me go put on the tape and let me see what's going on here. He does get washed out in the run. He's not the biggest dude. He, he can uh, lose vision and, and get fine. He penetrates and he disengages as well as anyone. I actively enjoyed watching his his tape and what does that look like you're like there like what oh, this is crazy this is crazy as i'm watching like he's just killing these guys they can't touch him they he is just kicking their butts the entire game and i'm i'm like enjoy, i'm seven eight games in i don't go that far these guys play 50 snaps a game i don't go seven games with those type of positions i wanted to keep watching because i kept when's the other shoe gonna drop where's the bad game when is this gonna happen even games that like pff had him as like a 65 notre dame he gave them everything they could handle. A good coached offensive line, Notre Dame, couldn't hold, couldn't keep their hands on him. He kept disengaging. Swim move is, is great. Rip move is great. He, he sets guys up and holds them, keeps them away from him, kind of like how Gino used to do, even though he's a smaller guy, and then sheds them down. And I'm like, what is going on here? In my years, and I've done this, I've been doing draft work 12 years. 
this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in terms of a guy completely off the map. And I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. He's going to be a day three at best pick, maybe still go undrafted. And I don't know why. Curtis Brooks or Matt Areza, fifth round, either or, go. Curtis Brooks. I am more confident that he will be a good player, <laughs> at, at least a starter. Or, yeah, I'm like saying this guy's going to be a starter and he may go undrafted. I feel weird about it, but there's nothing in his profile that says it other than being 24. His production metrics at first were 90 percentile when I'm talking to, to Jim Coburn, James Coburn. And I said, well, he didn't have his age. He goes, how old is he? I said, 24.3. He goes, okay, brings him down to 62nd percentile, which – Still, is it like a starter quality defensive tackle? He Everything says he's going to be good. Yeah, I was going to say the argument against would be the quality of competition and the age combined are that, you know, when you go watch him against Notre Dame and Alabama, that's the, and those Georgia. are the games to watch. And Georgia. Last, and play. last year, right. And he in those three games, I think he had eight pressures, five tackles, three quarterback hits, and like and three defensive stops. I'm like, I watched those two. He's it, beating them. And he's doing it from three-man fronts, if yes. I remember what UC does correctly, and from nose tackle alignments, yes. which is pretty impressive at his size generally. And and he knows he's undersized playing nose tackle. So Curtis Brooks, there's your sleeper of the year from Joe Goodberry. Am I, am I putting words in your mouth, Joe? No, sleeper Grady Jarrett. I had a first-round grade on him. He went in the fifth round, right? Um, he played a lot of nose tackle and over the tackle for Clemson and a heavy rotation for a great defense. And I think part of the reason people struggled to project him from what I was told after when I started asking questions to people, it's because he didn't play enough three tech. So when I'm watching Brooks not play three tech, I'm like, I'm getting that same feeling of why teams are like, we don't know what to do with him because he's not playing the position he's going to play in the NFL. At 6'2", 287. Well, Curtis Brooks, the local kid, stay in Cincinnati, a name to watch on day three and beyond for the Bengals in this year's draft class. Joe, as always, we appreciate the time. We appreciate the insight. We got Mike at Bengals underscore Stan Santaga to join us tomorrow to continue our draft conversation. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.